A woman's suicide raised questions about why she did it. Was it depression, anger, revenge? Until a forensic pathologist questioned whether it was a suicide at all. Her dream was to marry a successful man, have children, live comfortably, and have lots of friends. 33-year-old Jennifer Corbin got all that and more when she married Dr. Bart Corbin. They had a houseboat, they had nice cars, and a coveted-type career of dentist. You know, a lot of folks want to be a doctor or lawyer, and, and they had all that. But after seven years of marriage and two children, the couple also had serious problems in their relationship. I had no idea that it had gotten, that it was going to be that bad. But it had gotten pretty bad the, the, the last month. That's when Bart discovered something while he was sitting in Jennifer's car at a gas station. In her purse was an email from a love interest named Chris. Know that you are in my heart always, that I love you like I haven't another, that I love the friendship and honesty I have with you. He became upset and confronted her about it. And while they were driving home in the car from Jennifer's parents' house on Thanksgiving, the argument got to the point where Bart allegedly struck Jennifer in the face. Apparently, that was the final straw. Their marriage was effectively over. There were plans being made outside of the marriage. They, they were going, she was going to end her marriage. She was going to, uh, she was going to leave Bart. Amid rumors, Bart Corbin was also having an affair with one of his dental assistants. The Corbins separated and filed for divorce. And then something terrible happened. On December 4th, 2004, the Corbin's seven-year-old son found his mother dead of an apparent suicide. A 38 caliber pistol was at her side. When I woke up this morning, I wanted to go see my mom, mm -hmm. if I could have breakfast. And then I saw a gun right by her, and it was blood right here. There was no suicide note but her divorce papers were underneath her body. It could have been that she had been served or found out about the divorce filing and was so emotionally distraught that that was the outcome, that she had shot herself. It looked like a lot of indicators that were consistent with suicide. It wasn't completely outside the realm of possibility that a woman who was facing the loss of her children because of an online affair could have been afraid that she was going to lose custody of her sons, lose her home, lose everything. Bart Corbin had an alibi for the night of Jennifer's death. He was out with friends at a bar a half hour's drive away. Credit card statement showed about 14 beers had been bought between three guys that were there at Wild Wings. From there, Bart drove one of his friends home, then spent the night at his brother's house. Bart's brother confirmed that. In retracing Jennifer's activities that night, investigators learned 
that she was on the phone and computer with Chris, her internet friend. And that's corroborated by the telephone records. Um, she was probably on the phone till right at 1.30 in the morning. Then police learned about an email exchange between Jennifer and her internet love interest, Chris, that was eerily similar to Jennifer's death. Jennifer, would you take a revolver and load one bullet into it? Place it to my forehead and pull the trigger as we have sex. Do you have that in you, Jennifer? Investigators now began to suspect there was more to Jennifer's death than it first appeared. standard for an autopsy to be performed in suspected suicide cases. Dr. Carol Terry makes no assumptions about the case until she looks at all of the evidence. I said, whatever you have pertaining to this case, I want to see before I make a ruling. Realizing once I say something, this is going to be a bell that can't be unrung. Dr. Terry noticed that the angle of Jennifer's head wound was unusual for a suicide. The entrance wound was in the back of her head, behind her right ear. An atypical wound path in that it traveled from the back, traveling toward the front. These features were not uh, inconsistent with a suicide. Uh, they were atypical. But the location of the gun was inconsistent with her body position. There's no way to explain that gun traveling from back here to a position down around her waist, tucked in an area of the comforter. And there was no blood spatter on Jennifer's hands, a virtual impossibility if she'd shot herself. There was no gunpowder residue either. Had she shot herself, you would have expected her hand wipings to have been positive as well. Jennifer's death was officially ruled a homicide. But who had a motive to kill Jennifer? A year before her death, as her marriage was crumbling, Jennifer Corbin spent a lot of time on the internet. And that's how she met Chris, who lived in St. Joseph, Missouri, 800 miles away. They began initially talking in the chat rooms, but then moved to regular email and began to conduct an online, uh, or develop an online relationship. Soon, their friendship became something more serious. I love you. I love the friendship and honesty I have with you. Phone records confirmed that Chris was in St. Joseph, Missouri, 800 miles away on the night of Jennifer's murder and was eliminated as a suspect. Jennifer's estranged husband, Bart, also had an alibi. He was out with friends, and his credit card receipts proved it. Then spent the night at his brother's house a half hour's drive away. Then Jennifer's friends told police a shocking piece of information. Bart Corbin's girlfriend in dental school, Dolly Hearn, 
was also found dead in her apartment with a 38 caliber weapon by her side. And this pathologist, you know, basically says that this is suicide is consistent with suicide. The forensics are consistent with suicide. I knew the minute I heard Karna's voice when he said that Dolly had shot herself, I said, she did not. Dolly's parents said the death occurred just after she tried to break up with Bart Corbin. They also claimed Bart Corbin stalked and harassed her. He broke into the apartment at one point and, and actually stole Dolly's cat, Tabitha. She had tires slashed, windows broken, all kinds of things. Corbin also put hairspray in Dolly's contact lens cases and sabotaged her classwork for dental school. The Hearn family asked Corbin to end the harassment of their daughter, and Corbin agreed. Just a few months later, Dolly was dead. I have never understood why they didn't pursue it a little more diligently. They had just made up their mind that it was a suicide, and uh, they just couldn't seem to look any farther than that. What were the chances that Bart Corbin's two love interests would die the same way with the same caliber weapon? We had somebody who was either just so terribly unlucky to have his wife in 2004 commit suicide and his girlfriend commit suicide years ago, or we had somebody who was committing murders. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance, an emergency repair, or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Dolly Hearn and Jennifer Corbin had never met, but they had one thing in common. They both tried to end relationships with Bart Corbin. When Jennifer Corbin's death was ruled a homicide, investigators in Augusta, Georgia, reopened Dolly Hearn's case. Dolly's death was first investigated 14 years earlier when there was no trained blood spatter expert on the police staff. Now they had one, Dwayne Piper. There were so many red flags that jumped out at me initially that suicide wasn't really even conceivable in this case. Dolly was found sitting cross-legged on her couch. Her head slumped over her left side. The gun had been in her right hand, although when this picture was taken, paramedics had already removed it. The entrance wound was on the right side of her head, but strangely, there was no blood on her right hand. She couldn't have been holding a gun. There was no back spatter on uh, the exposed parts of her hand, which would have had impact stains on them from back spatter. This proved that Dolly's arm was by her side when the shot took place. And Piper noticed 
that the blood on her left thigh was not blood spatter caused by a gunshot. Those were transfer stains that were put there by somebody with a bloody hand, bloody arm, or bloody object that transferred that stain uh, onto the leg. Dolly Hearn was killed with her own 38 caliber pistol, one she kept in her apartment for protection. This was a homicide. She didn't shoot herself. It's impossible. Now Dr. Bart Corbin found himself facing not one, but two counts of first-degree murder. But investigators still had to refute Corbin's alibi for the night of his wife Jennifer's murder. He claimed he left the bar shortly after 1 a.m., then went to his brother Bobby's house to spend the night. But Bart's cell phone records show he made a call at 1.58 a.m., showing Bart's location was somewhere else. We found out what cell phone tower he hit, which was very close to his house, which was contrary to where he says he was through his friends and brothers. And who did Corbin call? Phone records show he called his marriage counselor's answering service to cancel the appointment he and Jennifer had for the next day. I can just imagine him sitting in the driveway, contemplating killing his wife, and calling the marriage counselor to cancel the appointment, knowing that he won't need it because he's about to walk into the house and kill his wife. That's the scenario that I think is most likely. Bart's alibi fell completely apart when his neighbor heard Bart pull into his driveway around 1.45 in the morning. Before I shut the garage door down, you know, I heard a truck pull up, and it was Bart pulling in the driveway. I just know it was him because I've heard that truck several times before. But police wanted to know where Corbin got the 38 caliber pistol he used to kill his wife. They learned that it was purchased by a man in Birmingham, Alabama named Richard Wilson. Interestingly, Richard Wilson and Bart Corbin knew each other. Richard Wilson was a guy who worked for Barton Corbin's father. His fa the father had hired him out of college. He was a salesman for the father's company. When interviewed, Wilson denied ever owning a 38 caliber pistol and denied any recent contact with Corbin. But police found evidence that Bart Corbin called Wilson on his cell phone shortly before Jennifer's murder. Now facing prosecution himself as an accessory to murder, Wilson decided to cooperate in exchange for immunity. He said that he thought his wife was fooling around on him. He thought he needed a gun to protect himself. And uh, he knew I had guns. He asked me if I had one, and I had gotten one a while back, traded it for a used lawnmower. I just told him he could have it. Finding the gun and the origin of the gun is what closed the deal. It's what compelled Bart Corbin to plea. And then Corbin learned the shocking truth about Jennifer's internet friend, Chris. It was the last thing he would have suspected.
prosecutors believe that Bart Corbin was incapable of handling rejection from women. We found many women that he ended the relationship with, and he's comfortable with that. But he just, he can't take it when a woman ends the relationship. And I think that's the motivation for all of this. When Corbin was in dental school, he met and dated a vivacious 27-year-old fellow student, Dolly Hearn. They dated for about a year, until Dolly decided to end their relationship, which Corbin couldn't accept. The evidence shows he stalked her, intimidated her, and even sabotaged some of the coursework she needed to graduate. When this didn't work, prosecutors believe Corbin went to Dolly's apartment on a social visit. He may have asked to use the bathroom, which gave him the opportunity to take Dolly's gun that she kept under her bed for protection. Then he shot her with it. The blood shows he moved her body to make it look like a suicide. 14 years later, when his wife Jennifer wanted a divorce, he tried it again. On the night of the murder, Bart established an alibi by going out drinking with friends. Jennifer was on the phone and computer with her friend Chris until 1.30. Bart arrived close to 2 a.m. and called his marriage counselor's answering service to cancel their appointment for the next day. Then he barged into the bedroom while Jennifer was watching television and killed her. He moved her body to look like a suicide, but he placed the gun in the wrong location, and there was no blood or gunpowder residue on her hand. Before leaving, he put a copy of their divorce papers under Jennifer's body to provide a possible motive for the suicide. Then he drove to his brother's house to sleep overnight. Jennifer's murder and all the mistakes were the same ones he made when he murdered Dolly Hearn 14 years earlier. Until he killed Jennifer Corbin, Barton Corbin had gotten away with the murder of Dolly Hearn. So why not repeat the pattern that succeeds? The circumstances were the same. Both Jennifer Corbin and Dolly Hearn were through with Bart Corbin. They wanted to end the relationship. They were turning their back on him. It must have been a surprise when Bart learned the truth about Jennifer's internet friend, Chris. The two had never met in person. They knew one another only through emails and telephone calls. And Corbin also didn't know that Chris was a woman. It says how desolate her life was that she was willing to grasp at any straw to have some companionship. Did you, in fact, commit the offense of malice murder to which you are now pleading guilty as it is outlined in the indictment? Yes. In order to avoid a death sentence, Bart Corbin pled guilty to the murders of both Jennifer and Dolly Hearn. He was convicted and is serving concurrent life sentences. I'm just glad that he admitted it, and I'm glad that it settles the question once and for all. That, that's what's important to us. Um, 
I, it's not up to us. Vengeance is not up to us. The Lord will take care of that. Art Corbin had gotten away with murder once, but by 2004, forensic science made sure he wouldn't do it again. It's so unfortunate someone else had to die for this case to be brought back to life. He might be smarter than some of us as individuals. Collectively, as our science and forensics has evolved, he's not smarter than all that. If the forensics hadn't advanced from 1990, Jennifer's death would have gone into the same file as Dolly Hearns did for 14 years. We would have never solved it.